Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. It has been a massive weekend in the news, but Zara and I are here to take you all through it. There's a lot of COVID updates to get through, but then we're going to have a bit of a longer chat about the Great Barrier Reef. Zara, how was your weekend? I mean, we hit the one month mark of lockdown and it was commemorated in the best way possible with a whole lot of people congregating without masks and likely without vaccinations. So really just a great weekend all around. It's going to be a few days until we see whether that materialises in further COVID cases. But uh, how did the COVID cases look yesterday? Yesterday, New South Wales recorded 141 locally acquired cases and 38 of those were infectious in the community. There was a record number of tests, over 100,000, which is just unbelievable. Sadly, the state also recorded another two COVID-related deaths, including one woman in her 30s. Premier Gladys Berejiklian said this about the tragic death. Uh, A woman in her 70s, but also a woman in her 30s with no pre-existing conditions. So if anybody thinks this is a disease just affecting older people, please think again. Victoria had some better news with just 11 locally acquired cases and all of those cases were linked and nobody was infectious in the community. South Australia recorded three locally acquired cases and two of those were associated with the Modbury Hospital cluster. Some news from those protests that we were talking about at the top of the podcast, Zara. Two men have been charged with animal cruelty for striking a police horse during the anti-lockdown protest in Sydney on Saturday. It's worth mentioning as well that these protests were not just in Sydney. They were in Brisbane and Melbourne Mm. as well. 57 attendees at the Sydney rally have been formally charged and 90 infringement notices were issued. Over 2,000 attendees have been identified after 5,500 reports were made by members of the public to Crime Stoppers. This came after Police Minister David Elliott gave a massive call out for anyone with social media footage to upload their content onto the Crime Stoppers database. He said yesterday that he is very confident all 3,500 people at the protest will be identified. Only hours after the protest on Saturday... Police Minister David Elliott fronted the media and he did not mince words. What we saw today were three and a half thousand very selfish buffets. People that thought that the law didn't apply to them. Australia's world number one, Ash Barty, has sadly lost the opening round of the Olympics tennis women's singles against Spain's Sara Soribes Tormo yesterday. Barty had two break points, up 15-40, but lost in straight sets 6-4, 6-3. The good news is, however, Barty is not out of the Olympics completely and she's set to compete in the women's doubles with her partner, Storm Sanders. That might be good news, but this is better news. Australia (laughs) has won its first gold medal of the Olympic Games with the 4x100 women's freestyle relay team. The swimmers are Bronte Campbell, Kate Campbell, Emma McKeon and Meg Harris, and they finished in 3 minutes 29.78 ahead of Canada and the US. This was actually a new world record. The team beat their previous record, which they set themselves at the 2018 Gold Coast Commonwealth Games. I'd say it was the best way possible for us to start our gold medal count, and there is plenty of more action in the pool in the coming days before we head to the track next week. So we've been covering this story about the Great Barrier Reef for a couple of weeks now because there was quite a lead-up to Friday's monumental vote. So last month, UNESCO, which is the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, I also didn't know what that acronym meant, they recommended that the Great Barrier Reef should be placed on a list of World Heritage Sites that are deemed what they call in danger. And the recommendation was formally made on Friday night. 
at a really late night meeting that was held in China. We've been hearing a little bit about this campaign from the government to get the Barrier Reef not on this list. Why is it so important that the Barrier Reef was not included as a UNESCO's endangered site? So the Australian government, and this was led by the Environment Minister, Susan Lee, they believed that the move was political to add Australia's Great Barrier Reef to the list. And they didn't believe that there had been due diligence done or paid to the updates and the developments that had happened in the Great Barrier Reef. So Susan Lee, at the very beginning of this, said she accepted the fact that climate change was playing a role in the deterioration of the reef, that she didn't believe that investigators had really come out or looked into what was happening in the reef enough that they could justify adding it to this list. And she argued that there were many other sites, if we were using the justification that climate change was really affecting it, that should be added to the list ahead of the Great Barrier Reef. And I think the really important note there is this idea of site visits, right? Like it's really about, for Susan Lee and the Australian government, the fact that they deemed that the site hadn't been examined close enough by UNESCO for this classification. And so the Australian government did take it into their own hands. So there was a really, really significant lobbying effort led by the government. And one part of this was that they took out a whole lot of ambassadors from countries that were going to have voting power on Friday night. They took the ambassadors that lived in Canberra to the Great Barrier Reef to go have a look, you know, with their own eyes. So that was one part of the lobbying effort. And that goes to what the government have been arguing all along. But then on the other side, Susan Lee actually flew to Europe earlier this month to directly lobby the countries. And not to jump ahead, but it clearly worked because on Friday night, that motion did not pass in its original form. And the Great Barrier Reef was not immediately added to the in danger list. Instead, it's going to be revisited in February next year. So what evidence did the government rely on in attempting to convince other countries that the reef was in good health? So earlier in the week, the Australian Institute of Marine Sciences annual summary report on coral reef condition, which is a mouthful, was released. And it basically said that conditions have been relatively good for coral recovery during 2020 and 2021. So the researchers surveyed 127 reefs and found that at least 69 of them had seen an increase in hard coral cover since they were last surveyed. One of the team leaders, Mike Emsley, said that this indicates that the recovery is well underway, but this happened after a particularly intense decade of disturbances prior to that. And so that's like saying that something is doing better, but that the starting point was really quite low because the improvements came after the Great Barrier Reef experienced its most widespread bleaching event on record. The report also highlighted that while it is experiencing this sort of recovery now, it's likely to be short-lived. And the quote was that there would be increasing prominence of climate-related disturbances. While parts of that really aided the government's argument, not all of it did. And have we seen any anger from environmental groups and other sides of politics after this decision on Friday? Labor came out pretty strongly after the decision was made, saying that the UNESCO World Heritage Committee's decision to defer its consideration of the Great Barrier Reef is, quote, an indictment on the Morrison government and said that the deferral was temporary reprieve. And they characterized this the best the Morrison government could do would be kicking the can down the road. Terry Butler, who is the Shadow Environment Minister, said that the government must now dramatically lift their game on reef protection. And the government has been doing that. There have been a number of announcements over the last few weeks in funding and protection measures that they are putting in place for the reef. 
And you asked about environmental groups. So Greenpeace's CEO, David Ritter, said that this was a victory for one of the most cynical lobbying efforts in recent history and said that jet-setting around the world at the great expense to taxpayers to block a decision that would demand climate action is a slap in the face to all Australians who love and care about our beautiful reef. Pretty strong words there. It's one of those really interesting times in the news cycle where environment and politics really are married up And it has real-life effects on our natural environment and the way decisions are made. Whilst the way these decisions can be made can seem rather opaque at times, we'll always do our best to explain what happens behind the scenes. Guys, there's a lot of COVID updates around today. Make sure you follow us on The Daily Oz and we'll bring you that news as soon as it happens. Stay safe and have a great start to the week.